Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible, you can find that scripture on page 783. But before I read that, I invite you to pray with me. Holy God, we long to hear your voice, loud and clear, impossible for us to miss. We long for invitations to something more, something deeper, and we long to find the courage to follow. So clean out our ears, brush the dust off our hearts. We listen with gratitude. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This Advent season, the season of preparation and waiting which leads us to Christmas, we're focusing on how God's story has been worked from generation to generation. Brad kicked off the season teaching us about the genealogy of Christ from Matthew's Gospel. And so we pick back up this morning with Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, or as I like to think about it, his family's origin story. The scripture tells us that a commitment has been made between Mary's family and Joseph, but they were not yet living together. You see, it was common practice in this time for about a year after betrothal for the couple to live apart. However, it was a contractual agreement that had already been made, and so when Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant, he has every right to break his contract and to bring charges against Mary for her unfaithfulness. 
Joseph didn't see a need to drag Mary through all of that public shame. And so he decides to break it off quietly and go his own way. The gospel notes that part of the reason for Joseph doing this was because he was a righteous man. A righteous man focused on right living, on using the way he lived to honor God. It was honoring God to not put Mary to shame. He may have even believed that because Mary was pregnant, it was important to show that he had not consummated their marriage, and therefore, out of righteous living, he must divorce her to display the kind of man he was. I can't help but wonder, was it really honoring God to turn away from Mary? Do we think that Mary didn't try and explain that this child was conceived by the Lord? Joseph, as righteous as he was, was going his own way. That is, until he heard God. In a dream, Joseph hears God's message loud and clear. Through the voice of an angel, he is told that this child is from the Lord. The message of God speaks to Joseph's humanity, his feelings of fear. You see, it may have been fear that was motivating his choice to quietly dismiss Mary. Joseph was likely afraid of what the religious leaders would think. Perhaps they would punish him or worse, banish him from the temple because having a child during this period of betrothal was unacceptable. Maybe he was afraid for his livelihood. Would clients shun him and no longer use his services because of this child? In the midst of the struggle to navigate a possible loss of status and livelihood, God's message comes. Do not be afraid. Choose my way, the way of love and grace. So Joseph, having heard from God, awakens and chooses a different way of living than he had originally planned. He does what the angel told him to do, fulfilling his commitment to Mary and adopting Jesus as his son. I don't know if you caught this a few weeks ago when we read that genealogy, but had it not been for Joseph's presence in that opening genealogy, there would have been a break in the chain. Joseph's role as Jesus's adoptive father, allows him to be a descendant of David. By choosing another way, Joseph is fulfilling the prophecy that had been spoken. Joseph raising Jesus as his own son was an integral thread weaving together God's story. 
I think the same is true for you and me. When we choose to respond to God, choosing a way different from that we would normally do, choosing to live God's way instead of our own, we weave together a beautiful tapestry of God's grace. On the flip side, if we choose to live our own way, things can unravel quite quickly. Let me give you a few examples. Father Charles Coughlin was a Catholic priest in Detroit. Throughout the 1930s, he was one of the most influential men in the United States. I think Coughlin, in many ways, was the forefather of televangelism and modern talk radio. You see, Coughlin's worship services were broadcast to reach tens of millions of listeners. However, because of his economic convictions, his religious broadcast often took political overtones that tended to shift him towards anti-Semitism. In the days after Kristallnacht, the state-sanctioned attack of Jews in Germany, Coughlin argued on air that the abhorrent violence was justified as retaliation for the Jewish persecution of Christians. In a 1938 broadcast, Coughlin instigated his listeners to unite in a militia-like organization called the Christian Front to defend the country from communists and Jews. In New York City, the Front grew and quickly became active. Police arrested members of the militia for harassing Jews in the street. These Jews were often seniors women, and children. The Christian Front's language increasingly became violent. And in 1940, the Front made national news when the FBI arrested 18 members in Brooklyn, New York, under suspicions for overthrowing the government. Its members continued to attract headline after headline in the early 40s, for their violent acts against Jews. Coughlin may have understood his way as righteous, but it was very different from God's way of love and grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, on the other hand, was a German Protestant minister who served during the rise of Hitler's Nazi regime. As views of Aryan superiority began to bleed into the church, Bonhoeffer spoke out. He first encouraged ministers to leave and form their own church, one that would not stand for this sort of ethnic discrimination. Then he became more outspoken calling for the church to question state injustice, to help all victims of injustice, whether or not they were Christian 
and finally to put a spoke in the wheel of the machinery and justice to bring it to a halt. Of course, these outspoken views alienated Bonhoeffer from his own church, but that did not stop him. When Jews began to be deported from Berlin, Bonhoeffer put action to his words. Along with a Christian lawyer, he tried to help Jews escape by getting them papers as foreign agents. When the Gestapo found money attached to this project, Bonhoeffer was arrested for conspiring to rescue Jews and was eventually hanged with others who were part of the resistance. Bonhoeffer's way was steeped in love and grace for his Jewish siblings. But it came at a high price. The choice Bonhoeffer made wasn't easy. It cost him his life. The choice Joseph made, for all we know, even though it was God's way, may not have been easy. It may have cost him social and economic status. And the truth is, that could happen to us if we choose God's way. To follow God's way, to speak up for others, may cause us to lose friends, to strain family relationships, or perhaps to make someone want to choose a different candidate for employment. But you and I have a choice. Joseph had a choice. He didn't have to choose God's way. He could have chosen his own way, which would have seen righteous to the religious elite of his day. We understand now that that choice might have made the tapestry of grace look entirely different. But I wonder if Joseph would have ever known the difference. He could have gone on leading a quiet, successful, righteous life, never realizing the ripple effect his choice had. The truth is, even choosing God's way, Joseph did not get to fully know his positive, life-changing, gospel-shaping ripples from one choice. You see, his choice allowed for generations to come to experience God's presence with them. As the scripture reminds us, Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. When we choose God's way, we do our part to weave another thread in the tapestry of grace and bring about God's kingdom here on earth, even if we don't see it come to fruition. This is the hope of Joseph's story, and it's the hope of our story, too, if we listen and follow God's way. In choosing a better way, 
we allow for the message of God's grace and love to continue for generations to come. Excuse me, I've got a little friend up here. Have you ever heard of the inheritance pass? It's something that was created recently for Yellowstone National Park, one of our nation's most pristine and breathtaking national treasures. The park has been around for about 150 years, and so in celebration of this milestone anniversary, the Parks Foundation created a campaign to preserve it. The promotional video casts a vision. The highest point in Yellowstone National Park is Eagle Peak. At 11,372 feet, you can see the travertine terraces that make up Mammoth Hot Springs. You can see Old Faithful and the Lower Falls. Over to the west, Grand Prismatic Spring. And with a little imagination and foresight, you can see all the way to the year 2172 when the Yellowstone Inheritance Pass is valid. You see, by making a $1,500 donation, you receive an annual pass to the park for the current year and also an annual pass that will be valid in the year 2172. 150 years from now. The initiative emphasizes the importance of preservation both now and for future generations. I wonder if we, as the people of faith, could also have a little imagination. If we listen to God's call and live a life of love and grace? How might we impact the faith of those 150 years after us? We may not know the answer. We certainly won't see the results. But the impact starts with one small choice, to listen and respond to God's way. So this Advent season, may we listen for God to speak and be courageous enough to respond so that generations to come may know, Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen.